0: The Puritans' guide to Fall songs' guide. How can you listen to idiots like him that's just been on? Tonight's song is.
1: What's just a pair of flabby wings?
2: I took to doing some hovering. There is a list of incorrect things. Harvard Meda. Let's do this. Let's do it. Scotty.
0: Hello. Um, yeah, hold on like, a it. Drink,
2: drink your coffee.
0: All right. So, uh, uh, yeah, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, hey, everybody. So we are, we are we, we're here to talk about Fall Songs with uh, Chris and Victor. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. I am here. So, so I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves uh, individually, but first I'll just say that you're in the band Eyelids. And Correct. we will be talking about Eat Yourself Fitter and Wings. Bob will not answer the phone. No, I don't know. My
2: phone just started playing music all I the sudden. I know, side. I heard that. That's I like, thought say. it was going crazy. I thought it's you had like, some this crazy been going wrong, wrong the whole time. I
0: don't know. Um, anyway, we can always cut that out.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: you
0: know. Um, anyway,
3: yeah. All right. I'm Victor Krumenacher. I am a co founder of the band Camper Van Beethoven. I've been their bass player for. 38 years uh, I Now the, the bassist In Eyelids i played with Monks of Doom Third Mind Eugene Chadbourne Session work For a bunch
2: of people Makes on, it, on Made a lot of great Solo records Made as a well. lot of Yeah, yeah huh? Solo
3: artists Thank you Yeah like, um, So yeah um, Just released a new one As well Yeah, yes. yeah I have a new uh, New album called Silver Smoke of Dreams That's out now You can go to VictorKrumenhocker.bandcamp.com <laughs> And order it up while it, and I'll while hand band, this over to
1: my While, while Bandcamp lasts Yeah, while Bandcamp lasts I'll hand this <laughs> over <laughs> to my BC friend to Chris involved. We're here to tell everyone that Bandcamp has gone <laughs> It's just gone No <laughs> one can find it Don't scare um, people <laughs>
0: uh, My
1: name's Chris Lassarenko. Uh I am also in the band Eyelids um, But have uh, played in Got It By Voices And uh, other bands that were um, Like Sprinkler That was on Sub Pop in the early 90s And Um, yeah just lots of fun things but eyelids is uh, my main focus these days and you can find any of that online uh, anywhere
2: there you go (laughs) perfect (laughs) online anywhere So, you both picked individual fall songs to talk about. We did. So, I don't know where we want to start. Maybe we should start with Wings, the Victor's pick. Sure. Uh, Well, so, I
3: grew up uh, in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area. I actually grew up in Riverside, which is more like kind of being from, like, outside of Asbury Park versus being from Manhattan in an East Coast context. Um, But... uh, I had a friend, his name was Andy Pintergast, and he was really into two things in about 1980 that were not in my radar. One was Bob Dylan, and the other was The Fall. So I started with Grotesque, was the 1980 record? Yeah. Yeah. And I used to go, we had a thing that we did uh, going to LA where we would, on a Saturday, we would drive out to LA from Riverside and do the record store thing. So there was like Vinyl Fetish, Aaron's, Renee's, Tower on Sunset, Rhino, and there was this whole kind of loop that we did that capped off with going to the Fairfax district and eating um, falafels at my moon. And Michael Meister, who tar- started Texas Hotel Records with Michael Stipe, was a clerk at Vinyl Fetish. and I- he started getting wind that I really liked the fall. So I would come in and he would hold seven inches. So that's actually where that copy of wings that, and kicker conspiracy that's sitting in front of you is from final yeah. fetish from 1980. What is that? 82. I think. Yeah.
0: Something like that. I, think, I think that's what 83
3: is 83. Yeah, it would be right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's from right around the time yeah, when I it's right around from right around the time when I left uh-huh. to go to UC Santa Cruz Um. And Wings is weird I don't think I really a Kicker Conspiracy for some reason didn't quite Really work for me Because it wasn't like as meditative as Say like uh, Look No Or uh, I'm into CB Or whatever I really like those things Where they're just kind of panning the Velvet Underground Thing mm-hmm. home And I, I just didn't really like focus on Wings And that's weird because you know at the time You'd get something like this Because we're similar age where yeah. you just obsess on it yeah, and listen to and I, a lot of times with the fall, even if I didn't like it, I was listened to it until I did like it. It was like the well, self- you bought
0: it
1: and yeah. you kind of returned. It was like you had like a lot of my favorite albums. Like I hated Up on the Sun by the Meat Puppets the first time I heard it, and then I was like, but that third song is kind of cool. And then like a week later, it's your favorite record. It's right. Like oh my god, You're yeah, just, yeah. this uh, is
3: better than two.
1: And a lot
0: of yeah, and so yeah,
3: yeah. exactly. So anyhow, uh, I. Got there was a this thing called Perverted by Language. Business is a v, video, uh, a video cassette. VHS. Oh yeah, VHS tape. And I got that right before I moved to Santa Cruz, and when I couldn't play it because it was uh, PAL encoded, right? Right. And I got to UC Santa Cruz, and the video department had a PAL encoded VCR. Um, so I went to, uh, it was the electronic music studio, and I went up and was like, can I watch? I oh, we had a friend who was there. It might have been Jonathan. I was like, can I watch this? Because it's like, it's code and I can't watch it on a VCR here. And he's like, sure. And there's, Wings is in that yeah. movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was like, wow, that's really good. Um, I should listen to that again. So I went home to my $134, you know, schoolhouse converted into a student apartment's hovel and downtown santa cruz <laughs> and just like knowing me at the time i probably did a bunch of speed and listened to it like <laughs> again again and it became really weirdly one of my favorite fall songs and i think there are two real elements to it that i i adore one is the uh, the kind of fucked up motown drum beat just like doc 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 just keeps yeah. going along craig scanlon's guitar riff
1: incredible is yeah.
3: incredible and the sound of it, too. Just the, the, Craig Scanlon is just, he's like this weird alchemist. You know, it's like the fall, like, especially like now in retrospect. Because, you know, I wasn't a sophisticated musician now. And now I'm pretty like kind of old salt. And I've played with a bunch of like what I consider to be like great musicians. And when I listen to them, that primitivism now really comes out at me. And the thing that I love about Craig is that that primitivism it's like almost alchemical with him. I don't, I don't, it's, I, I, you know, it's like writing about architecture or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like talking about music, but there's just something in the way he constructs a riff and the way that he plays the rift. And I don't even know if it like comes down to the fact that he's a lefty and the guitar is ringing in certain ways, but the way those overtones and everything work in that song,
0: yeah,
3: it's fantastic. And then the other thing too is like, this is, I think we were talking about this earlier today before we started recording, but, um, I think this is a stage where Mark Smith is writing these stories that are just really intense. And so just like the whole, there's something about this story that really engaged me, like the whole time travel aspect
1: of it, the Civil War veterans, the and just like... Uh, do you think it has anything to do with him? Like, I feel like he, they've been spending a lot of time with the birthday party at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, to me, it feels like he's picked up on something like along those lines of like I have a story arc here
3: yeah well it's interesting you bring that up because some of those Nick Cave songs I think about from like that era of Birthday Party where they are like really like these crazy stories with demented characters there's a lot of Mm -hmm. and they were they were around each other a lot at that time so you wonder how much because they both say that they were influencing each other yes, at the time. You can
2: definitely hear that in Scanlan's playing on that song as well. That there's, yeah. There's a really...
3: Almost like Roland Howard. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's and it's like of... it's a defining riff. That's a, another thing about it. It's like a lot of fall songs are like... The riff is like the, is Steve Hanley. It's the bass right. riff, right? And this is more like it's Craig's riff, you know?
1: Well, is Perverted by Language and this single the only record where they had one guitar player? And it was Craig? Because like
3: yeah that's another really good point because like this is mark, it, it, mike Riley's out it's it's like the double pre-bricks. drums it's and so you
1: hear it's like every riff whether it's like um garden or um smile it's just like his tone and his thing i mean mark once in a while will pick up something and make some noise but i think it's the only one that has like and that is okay, really, that, that is an interesting
3: different. point because there's something that's really uh, there's a hard like gravity. There's a hard black hole in the fall catalog, around 1983 for me, mm-hmm. and it is because it's a transition, like pre-bricks but post-Mark Riley. Mm. There's this really interesting sound, and I think you were right. That's another thing about it is, is there's something particular to these, and I don't know if that was recorded at the same time as like perverted by language because you know who knows how all that stuff worked with them. because right, I, I think they were just going in the studio whenever they felt like. But yeah, I think it is. So it's like. Is it is Paul, are Paul and Carl both on that? I think they are yes. a kicker. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, that's this is one of my favorite eras too. Because being a drummer, this is what the era that I really started to fall in love with the fall because of that the rhythmic aspect of it that being such a heavy element of the sound with the double drummers and like you're saying, Steve Hanley's bass playing. And that's why, again, like you're saying, like this, this really stands out because this is a really guitar driven song. And I think, and, and I was thinking about that because of you know they played this live for a number of years after they wrote it and recorded it but then it disappeared from the settlers and then it came back like in the mid to late aughts with that last lineup of the fall really? and they were doing this in like 07 and 08 Oh, cool and it it works for that band because it's so guitar driven you know yeah. and it has that you know that really meaty right. element right so you guitar it. player too right yeah right. exactly yeah. Yeah. right right
3: yeah it, and sense. just you know he 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 seems th- the, lyrically it just seems super focused it, even the kind of like nonsensical abstract kind of elements, just they, the, when he reads it, it just kind of, it's seamless to me. It, yeah. And it's it's it really, uh, for me, it's like a super vivid story. A lot of Paul songs don't necessarily paint as much as I enjoy them. I don't get like a distinct visual picture, but this one I can envision the whole kind of scenario. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, we all know like Philip K. Dick is an influence and things like that. And there's the time travel element. And, and things like that, but it's there's there's something that's a really kind of heavy duty co like coalescence in this yeah. for me. So that's my I, I don't know I could go on for a while on it. Dude, so <laughs> we're we're no, good that's with that. okay. We're yeah, good
2: with that. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how you were introduced to the fall your friends in Santa Cruz. Or, well, now well, this is Riverside. Riverside, this is like Southern yeah. California. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, and so the fall became like a weird uh, through line because like the camper guys did not like Jonathan grew up more. You know, classic rock, Grateful Dead. And mm-hmm. then, you know, there was the UC Davis uh, kind of punk new wave scene. So that'd be like early Steve Wen, Game 3, and things like that. But, like, The Fall was not on his radar. And then David was like, he liked the Buzzcocks, you know. And, right. like, he liked kind of like classic, more pop kind of stuff. Which you can see in his songwriting. And I was like, I like this. <laughs> and so it was really, like... You know, and that was 1983. So it would be that this period of fall became kind of, oh wow, that's weird. Let's listen to that. And then also like the Blue Orchids record, Money Mountain. Oh yeah, was a big like, was a big informative record. And I remember David borrowed that record from me, and he comes back. He's like, this is genius. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Like so that Brahma stuff, uh, even, you know, and like Blue Orchids has been like this really cool kind of continuing thing. And I think Brahma is pretty. You know, pretty underrated on a lot of levels. But for us, it was like really influential stuff. So, you know, and I just, I was so hungry to. These records would, I would just wait, you know, and like scour the enemy at the newsstand. Like, kid, put it down. If you're not going to buy it, you can't read it. And I'm like,
1: I'm just looking for release dates. You know? Oh, I remember when you just flip and see a new like you had no idea that these things were coming out often. Right, right and you're like oh my god like you pick it up and you're looking at the front and the back and you can't understand it yet you're like what am i looking at like what uh, what is it gonna be and then like you know on the bus ride home you were just obsessing about oh yeah you know every last just, detail the sleeve oh and everything yeah, yeah yeah
0: completely
3: and then the other thing too is like so when the when the video came out And I rediscovered wings in it. The other thing too was just like the visual information of what Manchester was. Yeah. You know, my stepfather was a Brit, you know, but like he was like Midlands rural Brit. So like my images of Britain were more based on like the pastoral qualities of Mm. it, not, you know, like not the fucked up industrial qualities of it. So like (laughs) I'm like it's like, well, we were like out in the country, but like, what's that? We didn't go to and like my stepfather says like Manchester's a shithole. You know? And, and you're looking at
2: it going like that looks really cool because it looks like, you know, completely otherworldly. Right. Yeah. It's such a funny video too. The wings one especially. I mean, that whole that whole cassette, the proverbial per- language is just ridiculous, so much of it. But that one is so f- i I'm so fascinated by that one just because it's like the rest of the band is sort of hanging on the bar. And then Mark, which is, has got to be their local, yeah, it's right? got to be exactly, the local pub, and right. like you know, we're just we're just gonna film something here. Like no none of the lo- none of the regulars give a shit about what's going on. Yeah, but like just like
3: there's that weird fucker over there. Arguing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and there's yeah there's Mark like you know sort of half heartedly lip syncing the song, and then uh, there's this one part that I love where you see Bricks and she's looking at something off camera. And just, like, just like holding back, holding back, just can't hold back whatever <laughs> laughter she's getting what's Yeah, going and on she starts you. cracking she up. She starts cracking up. It's like, what? Is,
3: okay. All and right. Then, and then, well, we'll get into Eat Yourself Fitter,
2: but the oh, video, video. Oh, man. That's not
3: even a like, that's yeah. just over the top. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, so there's a really magic period for that to me. And then the other thing, too, is that uh, there's the live video, probably... Uh, Well, there are two performances that were captured at the Hacienda that I know that are on video. One right when Bricks joins, and one probably a few months before that, which is contemporary with this period. And I didn't see those for years. Uh, I think it was actually on video cassette that you could buy. It's probably bootlegged or something. Well, Temple
1: House is recorded.
0: Yeah, it's, it's from, from the, that video. From the that video. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from, awesome. From the yeah. same yeah. thing, yeah. incredible performance. But when yeah, I was awesome. finally able to actually see, I don't know if it was, I, it was definitely pre-YouTube. That I saw it. Miss probably saw some. It. I had a leak of video stuff that Thurston Moore had connected at one. Mm-hmm. Like collected at one time, and I think that was on um, one of those. Sure, right. Because I got this stuff kind of through Thurston. Um, in the 90s it was like it was a Neil Young movie that never came out and a couple other things and I was like don't tell anybody (laughs) 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 but uh that video was in it and it was it's like it was like my fall obsession had ended I was off on different things but it was like being like a forensic pathologist and it's like totally oh my god look at that oh this is so intense and you're just like watching and it's like Oh, that's how they play that! And like, why is Carl Burns like playing that fucked up bass part? I didn't know. I know. That cool? <laughs> and yeah. this is you know, far, it's it, it's a unique language among Fall fans, I think, where you get into really into like, how the fuck did they do this? Yeah, or certain right. songs
1: where like all of a sudden you're like, oh, Mark Riley was playing organ. That's Mark E. Smith playing guitar right there. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, or and there's a clarinet. All of a sudden, you know, like, you know, or a kazoo, you know. How how many times did you see the fall? I I was going to get to that. Uh,
3: (laughs) 81, mid 80s, a couple times, Mm -hmm. nine extra kit tour, which was weird. Oh, bad. Oh, my God. Uh, they, I would have loved it. I think that was that, like though. the Fillmore or something I was that was a weird time. why was it weird why was that show weird well I think it was also like Camper was breaking up mm-hmm. at that point and they just okay. seemed like it went from being you know if you saw like the fall like kind of bricks era first of all they were just kind of on fire
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, like mid 80s they were just on fire sure unstoppable and, and, and I mean like for me like that that I mean I love those mid period records those are really truly probably I mean Pervert is a very big favorite but There's just something about Saving Grace to me. A lot of people hate Saving Grace, which I would find interesting. Like, how can you hate that? But to me, it's like kind of the pinnacle. And they were just like pounding. And there was something about like, well, now I know from like reading Hanley's book, like, you know, there's like the Marsha Schofield, like, you know, did she sleep with both Mark and Martin? I think she did. And I was like, all that tension, but like, there was just like, they're not having fun right wow and like it's not like they looked like they were having fun before but they were really like kind of engaged and you could just kind of feel a distance right. and then i saw them a few times as things fell apart because they would come and like play slims or whatever they like, said so they were like playing the Fillmore, and then it just like kind of keeps like going nice. down the rung and then like <laughs> wow like i saw them at the Fillmore, and there were like a thousand people there and now i'm watching them at slims and there's like 150 people there and like 50 of them have left <laughs> you know, and you can just feel like the distance and you're like seeing like, you know, all the things that as a band person, you know, it's like, oh, they've got like premier like SIR backline. And then it's like, oh, they borrowed some gear from somebody and like the bass amps fucked up.
1: And- but it's yeah. also interesting, like they're one of the few bands from that era that were still together. Yeah. And I think it's really hard for people to hang on to like you know like most of my favorite bands when I was a teenager or you know in college I was like after three years I I'd moved on to something else it wasn't like I followed someone through their whole and most bands lasted four or five years and imploded yeah it right. was like but the fall like how many people that were into them in 79 could still be into them in 92 right that's right. a lot know. to ask of of an audience and and there's you know I mean now that is more common you know but back then i, I mean well like i even think in, the in the that theme. era
3: yeah. too you know it's just like if you just think about like kind of how, how music worked you know it's just like a lot of i mean we were not kind of raised i was not raised with the idea of music being anything more than like you're gonna have a few years of this errant thing where you're just totally. kinda gonna go do it you know and i don't think like people understood that the DIYers like ourselves were just going to like no I'm a lifer I'm just going to go for it. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm just going to be like I may get like I may have a corporate job I may be a pro but like this is I'm known for doing this this is what I do I'm just going to do it. Yeah. You know and they they were like a good uh they were a good kind of marker for that because I think a lot of people just kind of like aged out and if you do think about like their that later period of touring you know it's just all kind of falling apart and I think the audience is just like I've moved on, and all the stuff that's hinting at what they were—that was the Matador stuff and like pavement and things like that. That was a younger crowd Mm -hmm. who were like going, like they didn't even understand, you know. And so, like the fall, you know, when they came to L.A. in—well, I mean, they come before, like before I really knew about them, probably in '80 or whatever—and they stayed at Jay Boberg's place in Manhattan Beach. Um, and you know, we were on IRS so Jay told me that they came and they were like basically like on LSD like laying on the beach all weekend long And he was just like, and he's like I would like make them food and they'd be like Just get a six pack of beer and I'll be fine, you know, it's just and they were just basically like Completely out of their mind, like laying on the beach and thought that wow. was fantastic um, And then so they came back in 81 and I can't remember there were two gigs. One was Myron's Ballroom and I didn't go to and the other was Al's Bar and I did go to that one and I can't remember if it was on the 4th of July or close to it but I had, uh, I went in with a friend who had a shitty like Toyota uh, station wagon and we go in and I have, I'm 16 and you know like I looked pretty young. Yes. But I had like a fake ID that we kind of like scratched like my, <laughs> my birth date off and like a friend had like typed in, you know, whatever it would have been. Uh, Eighteen one like nineteen like sixty 1960. yeah, <laughs> which didn't work at all. But uh, and then you know did some makeup on it so it kind of uh, like some uh, pancake makeup so it kind of looked like. And anyhow, I got in for the end of the, it was a Flesh Eaters like uh, that lineup with uh, Alvin uh, John Doe DJ, uh, you know like the minute to pray, for second to die. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so the Flesh Eaters and I saw the end of their set. And then it was the fall and I got maybe four songs in before like the hand of death came and grabbed me by the shoulder (laughs) and yanked me and threw me out. And I was like, fuck, because it was like magic. For me, it was magic. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, wow, like the X guy and the blaster guy, they have a band, but that didn't register. It was kind of like, okay, well, cool. I like those guys and that's interesting and whatever, but I'm here for the fall, (laughs) you know, so it's just like you know you and your 16s is like you know i don't care about the popcorn i just want the coke right (laughs) and um so i get thrown out and i was like fuck so you know it's like i said it's either fourth of july around fourth of july and like you know it's downtown la so it's like people are just blowing shit up left and right there's like fireworks boom you know everything's just blowing up and i'm like you're like tucked against it, so there's this door right next. Because I played Al's Bar several times, there's a door. The fire exit was like right next to the stage. So when he, I got just like basically like, no, but they're right there. Boom, boom, out, come, slam. And I was like, fuck, and so I'm, like trying to listen to them through the wall while things are blowing up around me, and also I'm in a really shitty part of town, and I'm like. Baby faced and probably have like five dollars in my pocket and I don't know where my friend's car is parked and he's still in the show and I'm like right. oh, oh my sense. god like, but that was
1: so my, that was my first fall experience. getting kicked out of a show and listening from the parking lot yeah is a total right of passage absolutely because <laughs> that happened to me with scratch acid um, and uh, one other sh- no one other show I almost got kicked out it was mud honey's first Portland show. It was their second show ever, and they're opening for White Zombie <laughs> when they were on Party Piece or whatever. Yeah, or, you yeah. know, or like and um, and uh, I remember, like I told, I just walked in because you know I was in a band, so I played back then at Satyricon. I was just like just throw the money in their hand and walk by, yeah. and they, I, you know, they basically just like were like, you have to stand here, like and not move, and we'll let you stay. But I mean. That, that thing of just then being like, what are they playing? And then there's like two or other three kids out there saying yeah, thing. They're like, yeah. hey, what's going on? <laughs> Whoa, <it's laughs> oh, life now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs>
3: um, so the other part of the subtext, subtext, too, is that we were either probably on LSD or we we're probably on, I mean, because a lot of times it was just like, the weird thing about, you take like a half tab acid, yeah. and you wouldn't be like, you'd have like some trails, but you wouldn't be like other Worldly would right. be like just kind of like kind of mildly tripping, but weirdly like my confidence would go way up. So oh, I would wow. be like going. I, I want a beer. I was like, "You're too young for beer." It's like I am 21 years old. <laughs> right. You know, like I am. How dare you? you? Know, like how dare you even like? Here is my ID. I want my fucking beer. You know, and like sometimes that worked. That's great sometimes it didn't work. You uh-huh. know? So uh, so I'm sure I was either stoned out of my mind or like oh, Well, I you got to see four
0: songs. Songs. that's more than that's us. That's pretty great. Yeah. 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 It, was,
2: it was good. Yeah. Well, the question I had for you, for you Victor since you had toured so much in the 80s with uh, Camper, uh, did you cross paths with The Fall at that time or get to meet anyone during it, that era? There was
3: all these cuz we at a certain point we were down in LA and so this there was a place it was called Scream or whatever, and I can't remember and um yeah, there were some tragic moments for me because, you know, like everybody else in the like, you know, David hated, you know, like the serious stuff. He's like, I hate those fucking people. I hate Sonic Youth, I hate Thurston Moore and it's like and I was like, I love Thurston Moore, you know <laughs> And so uh, we were li- we literally had like the monkeys apartment like the band apartment oh yeah it's <laughs> just like you know, okay well if your girlfriends come over you can have the bedroom but like otherwise you're gonna sleep on the couch and, <laughs> and and this is super you know way too close quarters and we're on with the Hollywood producer who's like you gotta overdub all the bass I'm like but we just did basics it's, like yeah but the bass performance is not to stuff suit so one night the fall came and they were playing at the screen with I can't remember what era it would be, but it'd be 87 ish, some kind of. Okay. Um, I can't remember what tour exactly, but I'm like, I want to go to this show. It's like, you can't go to the show, you've got to overdub with them. It's like, I don't want to fucking like overdub the fucking bass part to Aya Fatima for the hundredth fucking time. I want to go see The Fall. It's like, can't go see The Fall. And so, like, all the band goes to See The Fall. Oh my God. And I don't get to go. And oh, so, yeah, that's, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> so, you know, there's like these heartbreaking things. But then, you know, because we were in England a lot and we'd have these tour managers, yeah. and this is like, and they're like, who did you work with? So, oh, I work with, you know, I work with like the Jazz Butcher, and I work with like, you know, I did a Morrissey tour, and you're like, oh, how was that? It's like, oh, he's an asshole. And you kind of go, it's like, and I did work with a fall. It's like, Oh my God! You worked um, with the fall. What was that? Well, tell me really what insane. it was like. It's like Mark Smith is insane. It's like, but but how insane? It's like I know that. It's like like insane, like unworkable, like insane. Like yeah. get mad at me, and then basically like tape floor, tape, uh, tape gaffers tape, and tape it on the floor, and it's like you can walk over there, like that kind of shit. And so, he's right. Yeah. well, I mean, <laughs> So I wound up meeting a few people Who work with them And it just It was more like I need I want to know less I want to know less And so then um, Flash forward many years I hadn't seen The Fallen Ages Mm. Right And they're coming And they're playing The Independent in San Francisco And It's like wow I haven't seen them since like 1996 or something Or whatever Like you know Where it was just like Super bad vibe And it's like it's a new band, new people. It's like maybe you know, who knows? Yeah. Give it a go. <laughs> so I have a friend who's uh, he's a uh, setting to be an MD. He's he's going to see San, San Francisco, and he's like, I wanted to see the fall forever. We should go see the fall. I'm like, okay, let's go see the fall. So we go to the independent and we see the fall. Of course, like the day or two before the show, this is like kind of pre Facebook, really. But like I'm on like there's like a fall chat board or whatever, and you know I'm working, it's a, I'm doing graphic design, so like I'm online all the time. And it's like, the fall have broken up in Arizona, and Mark fired the band, and they've all gone home, and he's taken the opening band, and like made, made them the new fall. And I was like, this oh, is this, is gonna, this, like, yeah. this is like this is going to be a disaster. We have to go, <laughs> and so we go. And my friend is watching them, and he's like, "This is really weird." And you know, it's like the band comes out and does like the whole like twenty-minute James Brown warm-up. And my friend uh, Zephyr, who did sound for us just recently, was working that show because he's Sam Independent, and was like. He's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, fucked up night. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? He's like, he like got like a bottle of Glenlivet and like drank the whole thing. And he's just like in the backstage and like throwing things around. And the band are in the other room. And the opening band had to like couldn't be backstage because they weren't allowed backstage. And he's like, everybody's screaming at everybody. So anyhow, Mark Smith comes out, and you know I hadn't seen him in ten years. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> what happened and it's like you know like how much speed have you done <laughs> you know and he's got uh he's got this old pair of guest jeans i remember this so vividly it was like black jeans and he's got a hole in the ass and his butt is just like hanging out of the hole in the jeans and you're just like Ugh, you know And he's like got some like rumpled suit coat and it's just like him and what is a uh, uh, Elena or the Elena, yeah, yeah. So, like, so the, they survived because they were married, but the rest of the band are all gone. And there's guys who are like American are just like looking for visual cues and they're just trying to do it. And the bass player's like, I gotta grind away and everything. And my friend is like, We need to go up closer. It's like, Why? It's like, I just seeing something. We need to go up closer. And it's just like, So we go up closer, and I was like, What are you seeing? And he's like, He is not well. I was like, What do you mean he's not well? He's like, He has thrush. Like he has some, he has a systemic infection of some sort, because like you get thrush if you have like unmedicated HIV or you have cancer and right. you have like mm-hmm. big. I mean, he's like, but I can see it. I can see the thrush on his lips. I can see it on his tongue. Whoa! And he was just like, he is not healthy. He is not well. And so it was a really weird thing because I went where the doctor was just like, he's got yeah, like you know, he's got, got, got like a, guy, a distended that. belly. His liver's probably enlarged. You know, he's just like he's this guy is not healthy. When was this? Two thousand and seven-ish or so. Oh, wow, maybe ten years before he died. Right, right. But yeah, my friend Josh was just like, "This dude, he's not okay." That would be a book. Yeah, and so the, the, I, so I walked away with this kind of like weird like, ooh, you know. So I was I was amazed that right. he went as long as he did, and then Definitely. like, you know, those last photos of him, like you
2: know. There's oh, that one the photo where it's like
3: a big yeah. cyst or whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and he's like, had, he's in the wheelchair and everything. Wheelchair, he's like, wow, yeah. you know.
2: But there were those gigs where he just wouldn't be on stage. He'd be singing from the dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Out there, you yeah. Know?
3: yeah, and yeah. so it's, it was just, it, I mean, it's intense. So it's, it, So one of those things, I think in retrospect for this band that's been so influential on me is just like how intense an experience it was kind of being a fan mm. and watching. It. And, you know, you just... Like, I I knew a woman in L.A. who had grown up with Bricks, and, like, you know, and Bricks is from, like, a very nice part of Los Angeles, you know, and she's from, like, and and so, you know, we would talk, and she would just tell me stories, like, yeah, Bricks, you know, when she was on the road with them, she would call me and tell me shit, and I'm like, you need to leave, and she's like, I can't leave, I'm married to him, I was like, no, you need to leave, right, you know, I mean, some really just, like, not nice stuff, you know, and just, like, real, like, real cruelty, and real insanity, and real you know, real substance abuse problems. And yet, you know, the music to me still is, like, it's magic.
1: It is absolutely, absolutely magic. Although you know? he he never, this is maybe not the right word, wimped out. No. He never caved in. He never, it was like... Real half he, measures with
2: that guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind
1: of amazing. Like, you may, uh, certain records may not resonate with you, but he's it's so full on and it's you know um, like uh, some of the later stuff where it's like he's doing the Iggy Pop cover yeah, and it's like four minutes of monkey screams <laughs> over three different live versions of them play. and it's just like I'm kind of yeah. like fuck yes this is awesome <laughs> like I'm like like why not? Like you know, well, like yeah. it's like he, and he was also so good at then being like, all right, now I want like the catchiest shit ever. Yeah, well, and now like ah, that's gross. Now I'm gonna like you know I it, it, I I don't know. It was, it, he was definitely a, such an adventurer. Oh, he's um, fantastic,
3: and you'd be like, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think anybody who really. Like if you're a bass player and you know my bass playing and you know Steve Hanley, you know, yeah. Like if you hear me, you know how influential that was on me. You totally, know, it's like it's like you can you can hear his work in my work, yeah. and so like when Hanley left and Craig left, I was like, well, you know, and you. Because you know we got like all like dirt about like what happened in New York. I'm like I'm done. You know yeah, fuck fuck them. And I was like that for a long time. And then like I heard I can't remember what it was like blindness or something. I was like oh, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's okay. Okay. That's great. <laughs> great. You know. And I I, you know, at the end of the game, you just felt like the guy just like yeah, out of his mind, but like he didn't compromise and he didn't back down. Like you said, he just kept going. And like and there was really substantially
1: good stuff. It's at also the end really of the career. Funny in retrospect you know with the hanley brothers podcast and the books how much no one ever really says mark didn't do anything you know because even though they were coming up with the riffs and stuff like that i feel like they totally give him credit yeah. for shaping it and doing the thing and like and like like steve hanley being like oh i thought look now would be a look no would be a dexie's midnight runner kind of song and it turned into what that song is, but he's like, it was infinitely better than what my mind thought the song was capable of. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's also to just give so much of yourself to one singular person in the band who's calling the shots is pretty crazy. You know, it's like that. I don't feel like that, you know, I feel like everyone that band, I mean, maybe they're, I can't speak for, but it's just, it is amazing how much they just let Mark lead the charge. Yeah. You know? So
3: And just for me, I mean you think it like, I think about Wings in context. Like Wings is a song in context with being like sixteen, right? And you're reading like lyrics like this, an academic needed his chin, sat in the dust of some cheap magazines, his academic rest could not burn them up, and you're like, What the fuck? Right. <laughs> and then I remember always like this thing, recruited some gremlins to get me out, to clear me out of the airline routes, you're like
0: I'm like, well, what is he, what right. is yeah. this, you know and <laughs> the, or, or like he gets transported to the Civil War and there's yeah. some Irishmen there Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know, and it's just
3: like, but it's like a fucked up, you know, it's like that fucked up, like oh, I went through the wrong vortex Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end where he's like hiding away from nosy kids and like you know, his wings are <laughs> the rings rot and curl right out from under me, it's like, wow, this is you know, like, what a vivid thing. And I could only, you know, because, like, I grew up on, like, I mean, yeah, like, X would be, like, oh, you know, I'm in, like, I'm in L.A., you know. Right. But, like, for me, that was just, like, a painting of things that I knew, right? It, X, yeah. X, X were relatable because I... I knew people in the scene. Like, mm. I grew up in that scene.
0: I always think of X as, like, actually Jacqueline Suzanne novels or something. Or, well, they kind of we, yeah. were, you know? Yeah, I yeah. mean, they
3: were beautiful. Like, John and X scene were beautiful. Mm. They, you know, they drank beer. They did a bunch of speed. Yeah, they lived yeah. in fucked up Hollywood. I knew. Like, I mean, I, I knew those people. Right. I didn't know... Mark Smith I didn't, didn't know the fall way. and then like and like the only other thing cuz you know it was like if you're my age you know you grew up like you had the Beatles and the Who and like if you had you know I had a pretty my family had pretty good musical taste so I was you know around like Frank Sinatra records and you know like my cousin be like you know the birds and crosby stills nash and young so I grew up that through line. This stuff is like, like what the it's fuck? And like but alien then. transmissions at that yeah, point. But, yeah. you know, you were, for me, like, you're kind of cracking through, like, LA culture. And then you're like, you know, like, Philip K. Dick was just kind of, like, coming up. And I had friends who were really into science fiction. And you're like, he's from Orange County. Right. Like, yeah, it's like, like, my my uncle, who I'm named after, who's a nuclear engineer, lives in Yorba Linda. And he moved there because Richard Nixon was. They, they, they don't have. Right. That's Richard Nixon. It's your Belinda. They don't have like Philip K. Dick's. Like no Philip K. Dick's from Guy, Orange County. And guys like,
0: who do acid a lot and you know yes. have <laughs> mental diseases and you know like
3: yeah yeah and then, so there was nothing else you know because I was always kind of like a, a lyric student there was you know like I got the Velvet Underground records pretty early kind of like late seventies and like that was painting a picture but you know you, you you knew intuitively like that's over it's done like that New York's gone it's over like these these people don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And there was something exotic and the only other thing, and that's what was interesting about my friend who really turned me on to the fall, because he was a Dylan head and like Dylan was the only other thing like those, uh, especially like the speed lace, and I think it is actually quite literally like, you know, speed in the brain and it's yeah. like this word salad shit going on yeah, yeah. and you think <laughs> about like Dylan and like the Ginsburg influence, the Burroughs influence, and then you get this kind of, uh Sometimes it's acidic, but like there's some Dylan stuff, it's just beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. like really, there's a lot of pathos in it. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, uh, you know, beautiful images in it. It's really, uh, you know, Mr. Tambourine, man. I mean, come on. It's Mm -hmm. just like, like, you know, you can make me cry with that song to this day. (laughs) Right. But, you know, the fall are just like, you know, and it's a lot of the (laughs) same influences, right? You know, because it's, it is, you know, there's Burroughs in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's Philip K. Dick. There's all this weird stuff in it, but it's just like, Oh I think
0: oh. well, you know, they probably aren't that far apart age wise right or they're close enough age wise where they would have had the same influences because he was because Mark was reading beats and all these sure, and oh, horror yeah. writers yeah and sci-fi so stuff that was like modernist in take but not part of academia yet basically yeah, and, and I, so uh, and so yeah, i think I think that they are really close to, together as far as whenever it comes to words, at least probably for um maybe part of Mark's career, maybe, or maybe part of both of their careers. Cause, well, it's interesting because like, if family. you, if you, uh, yeah. like if you listen
3: to the Hanley Brothers podcast and you kind of read or like, I know because you talked to like Kay Carroll because she was your friend, but, that, like, but, um, <laughs> you know, they talk about them growing up and, you know, they're like kind of fucked up hippie kids, you know, yeah. and like how like Una Baines is kind of like, you know, really on like the feminist train and, you know, they're, it's, 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 I think on some levels people kind of got this idea that like, that mark was this one thing and i think mark just made decisions that he was going to kind of be that thing right but you know he came from a pretty thick soup and he's also self-educated but you know they were you you know because if you talk to not just him but if you read interviews and other things about like the formation of the fall like they were listening to some heaty stuff you know the can thing is pretty mm-hmm. wild Definitely can you my, know my
0: favorite is always like Mark was into Vanguard Generator. Yeah,
3: Peter Hamill. what that totally makes Henry sense Henry Cow and like, yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that really makes sense and like I love like I you know those are some deep favorites Henry Cow and yeah, yeah, Peter Hamill. and like if you think about Peter <laughs> Hamill's lyrics, you know, and Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. I'm not going back to the central hotel and things like that. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. I yeah, get exactly. I I can, I can see this kind of through so it's, it's
0: still So yeah, so I think that I'm just agreeing with you. I just think that like with Mark maybe it was more science fiction than with like the beat, right? Yeah. Especially oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it really was. But that's that's so, yeah.
2: why I think the Burroughs influence is so huge because Burroughs wrote right. that line of like science fiction and his work for sure. Yeah. Right. Hey, 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 hey.